Hey Tim and Chris, I've got hey, a Dan. I've got a joke. Hit us up. My knowledge of AFL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the jokes are the true or the funniest yeah. ones. They good. Right, is the intro. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. My name is Tim. And with us, and I'm Chris. Yeah, oh, well, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Yes. Intr- yeah, introduce me. You can you can build me up. I'll yeah. Do it myself. That's good. <laughs> so uh, today's going to be a slightly different uh, episode of the podcast because uh, I feel like Tim, we've been down in the dumps a little bit in our podcast podcast lately. We, we've been a little bit neg. We've been a little bit neg. Yeah. Look, it's been you know fair to say interesting three months. So um, and then. I needed to say, actually, as we start this podcast, I've actually contracted an illness too. What's that? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's fever. It's uh, finals fever. <laughs> so it's time to talk footy. Who <laughs> drunk footy? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So if, if you're a, if you're a long term listener of the podcast, you'll know that we actually started a side podcast. We had a side piece called the Too Drunk Footy Show. Uh, and uh, I accidentally deleted the entire episode that we recorded and we never came back to it. <laughs> it was a good episode too. It was a good one. Yeah. It was a good one. But with us, just to talk all things footy, because if you also listen to the podcast, you'll know I know absolutely nothing about AFL, um, is uh, Chris Foster. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And you're selling yourself a bit short there, Dan. You're a former Fremantle turned Sydney Swans tragic, as I believe. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I'm not sure about turned Sydney Swans, but I am disappointed, Dan. You're not wearing your Fremantle training singlet I from tri- uh, 2007. <laughs> I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. I don't know where it is. <laughs> you lost it. Yeah, I haven't lost it. It's just not where I thought it was. Chris, that was my secret Santa for Dan last year. I got him a uh, authentic 2007 Fremantle Dockers training shirt. So, oh, that was a, that was a good year, wasn't it, Dan? How'd yep. they go in 2007? Yeah, not well, not well in 2007. <laughs> uh, there were some uh, issues with some of the players. Some injuries held them back. I think uh, coaching changes. <laughs> Yeah. All the generic terms. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of rough calls in some games. Cost yeah. them. They, they, they were essentially the Leighton Hewitt of that season. They went in with high hopes, but unexpected injuries forced them to pull out early or, you know, just what happens. <laughs> uh, well, so we've got no segments planned for today. Today's just a, uh, a free-for-all, just to talk footy, basically. Uh, we're coming up on the grand final in a few weeks, so... Mm. We thought, what better time to chuck on our footy, footy paraphernalia and uh, and do some things like talking about grand final previews, highlights of the season, and our off-season predictions. So, uh, also, if, if if you're not into footy, I have a small segment at the end that you might be interested in. So, just we'll wait for that. Cool. Now, uh, we did do this on the last episode of Too Drunk Footy, but let's do it again. What is your nickname, Dan and Chris from Footy? Uh, we'll start with you, Chris, shall we? Uh, well, my last name's Forster. Uh, started playing footy when I was in Auskick uh, and then probably got the nickname maybe under 10s and it was just Fozzy, just Forster, Fozzy, natural transition. Uh, nothing super exciting, but yeah, that's that's my nickname and where it came from. Love I it. think it's a good one. I approve, I approve of Fozzy. So what, what about you, it's Tim? Gonna be, it's going to be tough for Dan to beat my one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tim? Uh, mine is Gartho, and yep. uh, that's what my Terrigal Evoker AFL Panthers uh, club mates would know me as. And uh, it never really was that. It was always just Timmy. But um, someone found out that I didn't like to be called Gartho with an O at the end because I just feel like there's no ring to it. Mm. it just It just doesn't roll off the tongue. And so, yeah, it, it stuck as soon as they found out that I wasn't keen on it. Yeah, and and so we, I think we originally did call this the Too Drunk Footy Show with Gartho and the Foz. I, I think that's. <laughs> I think we did. That's what it was called. Yeah, and so that's how we will now refer to each other. So listeners, love it. Uh, Gartho, you can call me Gartho, Gartho, the Foz, and Dan. <laughs> no, no, 
No, Dan, how shall we uh, refer to you when we're doing two drunk footy episodes? Okay, so uh, the only nickname that I could remember from my footy days and, and when I was a youngster, I, I played uh, NRL um, and uh, my my mum came to pick me up one day from, uh, from training. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of testosterone down there in the footy field. You know, you just come off from some doing some training, running some laps, man talk, uh, you know, a couple of guys having some beers. And uh, my mum walks down and yells out, Blossom, <laughs> Blossom, it's time to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> and I became Blossom. Uh, oh, my God. So, uh, yeah. So, I guess for the sake of the podcast, and, and I suppose it's apt that I know nothing about AFL, um, <laughs> that, that maybe my nickname is Blossom here on the podcast. <laughs> I think it's a really pretty nickname. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Tim. Thanks, Gartho. Thanks, it suits Foz. you. It suits you. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, your knowledge of footy is just blossoming. So that's, that's right. That's why you will be known as Blossom. Yeah, love it. Also, also Cherry from time to time. I don't know. It just <laughs> why Cherry goes with well, Cherry Blossom. They're just that's that's cherry a thing. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Very well, good, Blossom. Thank you for that. Let's I move appreciate, on. Appreciate that personal story that you just shared with the world. Mm. Um, now, guys, before we get into our grand final previews and, and whatnot, I would like to know your favorite team and your most hated team. Okay, let's start with the Foz. All right, well, our favorite team, um, as you can probably guess, is uh, the Sydney Swans based on the beanie and the uh, jersey that I've got going on here. Very nice. Uh, most hated team sort of varies season to season depending on which team either ruins Sydney's chances of making the finals or eliminates them from the finals. So there are certain teams throughout certain time periods <laughs> I haven't liked. I think Collingwood, everyone, just you're the Collingwood fan or you don't like them, so Collingwood's on the list. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it sort of just generally runs year by year depending on who – knocks Sydney out of the finals or who stops them from getting in the finals. So this year, just not a big fan of the Giants. Yeah, I was going to say, it's GWS then, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah, Green. Not a big fan of the Giants. No, I can't stand them, for, at least for the next three or four months. Yeah, bastards. Oh, well, at least Toby's been rubbed out for the next three to five weeks. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, Dan, who's your favourite Team and most hated team. Mm, so my, my favorite team, um, and and this is this is some some news then maybe. Uh, so I, I started off um, the first AFL game I ever went to was a Fremantle Dockers game uh, in Fremantle. My dad lived in Perth for a while, so uh, for a long time I told people my favorite AFL team was the Dockers um, because I'd been to a couple of games. Uh, I never followed them. Apart from those two games I saw, I had no idea how they went in any season. But I like to pride myself on having a team in every sport. And so, if people talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Dockers this year, eh? Let's test that, Dan. NHL. NHL? Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, oh, what the bloody name? <laughs> Obviously, a no, no, the, fan. Uh, <laughs> San Jose Sharks. No, no. The Anaheim Ducks. No, not the Anaheim Ducks. The Maple Leafs. No. Denver, Colorado. Uh, the Rapid? Is it the Rapid? No, I've forgotten their name. All right. Fire. Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> I'll look it up now. Okay. So, uh, who's your most hated team, Dan? Uh, my most hated team. Oh, so, so, following on from that, I probably am more of a Swans supporter these days. I, I hate what? to say. I hate to say. But I've been to several <sighs> Swans games in the past couple of years. I've enjoyed them. Specifically when they play uh, your team, Tim. I like to go to those games only. And, uh, and it's just been a good time. So, I think I probably am more of a Swans supporter. My most hated team would have to be... Um, I just don't like the Bulldogs in any, se- in any, in any tournament. <laughs> So I'm just going to throw them out there. <laughs> in any tournament. <laughs> um, uh, outstanding. Yeah, cool. No, that's fair. I, I understand that. Yeah. What I about you, Tim? That. Uh, just to confirm, it's the Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche. That's avalanche. it. I have an Avalanche jersey. I can, that's just so cool. Go put it on. Team. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Wow, great goalkeeper back in the day. You had the goalkeeper's jersey. Yeah, you just need to know. You just need to know the team and one player, and then you can enter a conversation. 
Uh, that that year they were like, "Wow, we sold one goalkeeper jersey this year." What, what are the odds? <laughs> it went to the Central Coast, Australia. <laughs> blossom across the back of it. <laughs> blossom personalized jersey to blossom. Uh, that's great. Um, well, Dan and Chris, I'm actually going to have to take the opposite to you guys. I'm going to start with my most hated team. Mm. And that is the Sydney Swans. <laughs> and there's a few there's a few reasons for this, all right? Mm. So let me explain myself. Mm. First of all, half the supporters are bandwagoners, all right? Mm. Not you, Chris. Look, you've got all the gear. You've got an idea about what I felt. You played Oskick, yeah. all right? No, so that's not, great. Not you, Dan. Oh, thanks, Tim. Fifty percent on this podcast. <laughs> you literally have just chosen the team that you happen to be at a game at. In Sydney, it's my local. Right. It's my local team, Tim. It's, how are they any more local than GWS for you? It's they're, probably just as quick to get out to GWS like Western Sydney. No, nah, they're they're older. <laughs> Been around longer. Heritage. It's the heritage of the club is what he's buying into. Yeah. Anyway, it just annoys me a bit. All right, that's all I'm saying. It annoys me that everyone just jumps on the Sydney Swans bandwagon. They've known AFL for one second, and all of a sudden, the Swans are the best thing since sliced right. bread. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so that's why they're my most hated team. And when I was growing up as an Essendon supporter, I always copped it from everyone at training mm. when uh, when Essendon lost. Mm. So, uh, and everyone else invariably went for the Swans. So yes, my most favourite team is Essendon. Mm. Do you know why, um, Chris? That um, do you know why, Tim? Sorry that that Chris didn't specifically say that the Bombers are one of his most hated teams. No. Because they never beat the Swans, so it's not a problem for him. <laughs> you, don't, you don't worry about those yeah. second and third tier clubs. It's, just, it's true. You just it's clap true. them when they get a win up every now and then. Uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, this is a debate Chris and I regularly have because mm. Essendon are on the longest finals drought of any um, team in the AFL. Yeah, so gonna get we've re- made finals. going to get relegated. We one No, relegation is not a thing. You're going to get and- relegated from the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> First time in history. Where would where would one be relegated to from the AFL? The Northern Territory League. <laughs> Who's your favourite team in that league, Dan? Uh, Darwin. <laughs> Is that a fun fact for our for the listeners, Tim? You and I used to play against each other. We did uh, junior years. Uh, as a Bado Bay representative and Kalanival representative, yeah. it must have hurt you playing against us because we were the Bombers. It did. It was, a bit confu- it was confusing as a, as a child. Uh, I now live in Kalanival as well. So some would say maybe I should be a bit more of a local Bombers fan. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that is an interesting fun fact, Chris. Yeah. You're always a little bit better than me at AFL, I think. It was the red hair and the feistiness. That's yeah. what got you over the line. Fe- more so the feistiness. I, could, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, have, didn't necessarily know how to kick or mark or handball, but I, you know, I could, the psychological game, that's where, I, that's where I really got inside people's heads and brought them down to my level. That's, yeah. And that's where I shine. Nice. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's move on, shall we? We'll get on to the grand final preview because... We're heading for that pretty pretty soon. We're about a week out. Yeah, yeah. And also the big news today that uh, Simon Goodwin and Adam, and Adam Uze, two of the coaches for Melbourne, currently sick, missed training today, which is probably the best year to do it because of the bye before the grand final. Whereas in previous years, it would have been the day before the grand final, no coach, no assistant coach ready to get there. So they wow. probably, probably timed their bye pretty well this year, the Demons. That's crazy. Yeah. So what do you think of the pre-grand final buy? Anyway? Not, not a fan personally. Um, yeah. I, I don't mind the idea of the Brownlow having its own little week in its build. But yeah, I think cool. I like the idea of having your grand final and then the Brownlow following mm. the grand final the following week. I don't like the buy because particularly a team like Melbourne has a game, wins it, has a buy, prelim, then a buy than a grand final. So they've only played one game in three weeks in essence. Yeah. And it's sort of, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of players like continuity. Yeah. So it sort of takes that away. And it's, I reckon I'd probably rather be in the Bulldogs camp knowing that they've had a consistent body of footy underneath them. And then they get the bye to sort of refresh, but they've got that 
running their legs. So a huge advantage. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it is. Yeah. I think um, people underestimate the power of form and um, yeah, playing one game in three weeks is, is not good for a footy player. Um, they, they need something to train for. They need something to work towards um, and they need some confidence as well. And so slowly that fades over time. And, uh, and yeah, you see, you see teams post buys, they're not the same team usually. They're usually a bit rusty for the first or second quarter. So yeah, and you can often see it when they're playing against a side that hasn't come off the buy themselves. The team that mm. has had the run has had the game under the legs, and I think particularly heading into a game as big as a grand final, I think you want that run in your legs and that consistency that Melbourne hasn't had the last you know three weeks. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and um, yeah, I guess. Uh, We've got two pretty good teams playing, but it's a little bit of a shock to see the Bulldogs making it through, given they finished fifth and they've had to fight their way through. Um, yes, so they, they probably were previously one of your most hated teams. What are you thinking about the Bulldogs right now, Chris? Well, I think the Bulldogs, they finished fifth, but they had a, a three-week patch leading into the finals where they dropped dropped a game to Sydney, dropped a game to Western, and they dropped a game to Hawthorne. Hawthorne, and they dropped yeah. the game in the final round heading into the finals. I think it was when they played Port Adelaide. They dropped that game. So they, they ran into the finals with just the worst form of any yeah. of the eight teams that were in the competition. And if you looked at it and said on form, regardless of where teams are finishing on the ladder, Western Bulldogs probably would have been seventh or eighth on your, on your pick of who's going to get in. And then all of a sudden, flick the switch and they come out and they – play three games against, you know, decent opposition. You're not, you're not in the finals by mistake. Like, you've got to be a decent club to get there. Mm. Play three pretty impressive games, and now they're looking at their second premiership in, you know, five or six years. So, it's sort of come a bit from the clouds. Yeah. And, like, it's interesting because um, the Bombers played the Bulldogs in the first week of finals, and um, a lot of people in media were even tipping Essendon to win that game. And I would say for the first half, we had the better of them, really. Uh, we, we, we had more scoring opportunities. We had more control of the contested ball. It was really falling into our hands. And then it rained. The big bodies of the Bulldogs and their contested style took over. And, and they beat us pretty comprehensively. But it was like that just changed something for them. Um, and <laughs> it's just what happens. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it was sad. It was a very sad moment for me. Um, but, you know, there's a part of me that wants to support the Bulldogs now because then I can say Essendon lost to the eventual Premier. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, that makes sense. Uh, so my chips are kind of on the Bulldogs at this stage, though I would like to see the Demons break their, uh, what is it, 50, almost, no, yeah, almost 60-year drought. Yeah. Of uh, uh, of winning a premiership, I'd like to to chime in just quickly here. Um, first of all, to say as the Bulldogs are my most hated team, I am <laughs> genuinely surprised that they're in the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes because I didn't know who was in the grand final until <laughs> we just spoke. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I still don't like the Bulldogs because they beat the last time the Bulldogs won the grand final. They beat Sydney. So yeah. then. That year, they were the, they were my most hated team until the next year. I think Sydney got knocked out in the finals. I think it was by Geelong. So Geelong were my hated team that year, and then it just sort of rolls over. So nice. changes year to year. But yeah, the Bulldogs still got to still haven't forgiven them. It was very controversial that grand final win against the Swans. Some yeah. some no one counts it. No one acknowledges it as the real premiers. Everyone yeah. still thinks Sydney's the real premiers. It was that's, very very lopsided. So so you think who are you thinking is going to win, Chris? What's your tip? My tip, I'm going. My head and heart are sort of leaning the same way, which I think makes it easier for me. So, I'm a traditionalist in a sense that I like seeing the best team all year win, unless it's the Swans. If the Swans get in from third or sixth or whatever, then I'm all in on the Swans. But because they aren't in it, the Demons were the minor premiers. They've they've been at the top of the table. Oh. Oh, we've lost Chris just as he was about to give us his tip <laughs> for the fall at any point this season. <laughs> He's back. Um, their two wins in the finals were oh, what? What? My back? My back? Yeah, you disappeared yeah, for, a second. for a second. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, where where did you lose me? Where was I? Where did uh, I end up? You, you said I that they were the minor premiers on. and they were uh, the best yeah. team all year. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it keeps saying my internet connection is unstable, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> but I'll try, I'll try and get through it and see how far I can get. Yeah, look, I like I like seeing the best team all year win, and they have yeah. been the best team all year. There have been games where I, I keep thinking they're going to fall apart, their wheels are going to mm. fall off, and they haven't done it. They've just been consistent from day dot, and they just go out there and they get it done. I think the one advantage I think they have over the Bulldogs is knowing that they've had that same standard all year. So yeah. it, their best and their worst isn't that far apart. Mm. Whereas if I look at the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs' best and worst was evident between now and you know five or six weeks ago. So True. I'm, I'm tipping the Demons. Um, I think the fact they played their prelim at Optus Stadium helps them. They know the, they know the ground pretty well. Huge advantage. Um, yep. I'm tipping them, but not overly confident. Wouldn't be surprised if the doggies had a good crack, basically. Yeah, I'm not expecting a blowout like either of the <laughs> prelims. I think this one will be a, a lot tighter, particularly getting considering both teams finish strong. So yeah. they're, they're not the sort of sides that go, well, we're down by five goals, the game's over. We saw Melbourne overrun Geelong by 40-odd points down in the third quarter and the Bulldogs have overrun sides and they've been down by a big margin. So I, I think that sort of plays into both teams' hands, I guess, knowing that well, we're not out of the game at any point. And sometimes you can get those games where it, it gets three or four goals down, the heads drop and it turns into a 50 or 60-point belting, which I don't think we're going to get. I like it. Yeah, hopefully it's a tight game. Now... What's your thoughts on the nighttime grand final? Can, no, can, I, can I ask not a, a quick fan, can it? Can I ask a quick question about this? When is the grand final? <laughs> Next Saturday. <laughs> so not so not this Saturday coming the eighteenth. It'll be the twenty fifth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What sport are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so so traditionally, I, I did know this that the AFL grand final is played during the day, and so now it's going to be a nighttime grand final, and I'm assuming played somewhere other than Melbourne. At the moment, too. I'm I'm a very big daytime grand final person. Mm, why is that? I, What's your reasons? Oh, it's just what it's always been. You know, when when you talk about grand final day to me, you've got that build up during the day, and it's like a spring spring weather day, so it's a little bit sunny, not too hot, not cold. The beers are the beers are out. There's music on, and uh, the game starts during the day and finishes during the day and um yeah just starting at night just feels like any other week to me it just feels like it's not as built up or important i think also the celebration side of things like if the grand final finishes at five thirty, then you've got the whole night to go out have a dinner with your mates go out maybe have a quiet drink or two and celebrate it where if it's a night grand final particularly if you're at the game with young kids you know, all right, off we go, back home, back to bed, wake up the next morning, and it's like you didn't really get a chance to really, uh, I guess, take it all in and appreciate yeah. it. Mm. Uh, like a lot of those moments we've seen, like when Jack Rewalt got on the stage and was singing, like that was a hard-fought game throughout the day. Wins yeah. Muirship gets on stage and then starts blurting out <laughs> lyrics, and it's just it's amazing. Like the, It is, yeah. I think, and, and the fact that it finishes at 10.30, you just you lose some of that. Um, so yeah, to me, it'll always be daytime. I'm not sure. I think nighttime is better for broadcasters, better for the TV people. But but, but also, uh, I suppose if they're ever going to trial it while half the country's in lockdown, it's probably a good time to do it because you can't go out afterwards anyway. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's the second year in a row where they haven't had the grand final in Melbourne and the Victorian government literally has a contract with the AFL to play the next 50 years of grand finals at the MCG. So, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's unheralded and, and to a lesser extent, maybe that's why they're doing the nighttime grand final anyway. It's sort of to, to change it up, to recognize that it's not a Melbourne grand final. It's, it's, uh, it's something different. So we saw the same thing at the Gabba last year between Geelong and Richmond. It wasn't traditional starting time. And it, I know it, obviously given the pandemic, that impacts on it as well, but it didn't have the same feel. It didn't have the build up. It didn't have anything that you've had in previous years. It felt like as a neutral grand final day for me is amazing. Like, you know, you get your Norm Smith bets on your first goal scorer, get everyone down, have at the club, have a drink, all that sort of stuff. Obviously we couldn't do that because of the pandemic, but 
it's it still didn't have that feel to a grand final. It felt like it was Richmond versus Geelong round fifteen. It's sort of like this, Dan. It's like Christmas Day, mm. but you've got to wait until the night time to open your presents. Yeah. Right? So that seems pointless. Grand final day to me is like you, the build up is during the day, and that's when you want the action. I, I really place. appreciate you putting it into terms I'd understand. Then I get it now. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's enough grand final chat. Um, how about season highlights? Now that the season is over for. 16 of the 18 clubs in the AFL. What were your highlights, Dan and Foz, or Blossom? Blossom and Foz. Blossom, you can you can pick you can uh, kick off this one, so you're not piggybacking off any of ours. Yeah, <laughs> D- disrupted season um, always makes it a bit hard. You know the lockdowns and things, um, quarantine and whatnot. But uh, you know, I, I, just to piggyback off what you were saying before, I. <laughs> 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 no, I think uh, my highlight this this year was uh, there was that one game that Buddy kicked a really good goal towards the end. What was that one, Chris? <laughs> uh, was that when they beat Essendon in round? Yes, that five. one. That was one. Four or five. Then you were literally Essendon. at that game. Ah, right? yes, I was. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that was my highlight. It was the one game I actually watched. I went to the game and I had a good time and we watched it and Swans um, did, did you know, did all right. Yeah. The Bombers, that was the first sign from the Bombers that we were actually going to be okay this year. So, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that night as well. It was a good one. Yeah, my low light was, yeah, just quarantine, COVID disrupting. The grand final not being in Melbourne again is a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense as a traditionalist. As a traditionalist. Someone who is very loyal to one club. Yeah, um, someone who's, you know, just... And one code. Ride or die. Um, just, <laughs> you know. Foz? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my highlight was probably the fact the Swans overachieved. So, the last... To fill you in, Dan, the last couple of years, the Swans have missed the finals and they finished in the bottom four last year. So, they weren't... They weren't really anywhere near making the top eight. I think there were maybe four or five wins mm. outside, which in they're, a shortened season when it was only seventeen games, the re- rebuild phase, right? They're, they're, they're training up yeah. the youngsters, and yeah, it was it was the rebuilding phase, and, and this season was supposed to be along the same lines. Uh, they only really recruited Tom Hickey as a ruckman. They didn't go out and get anyone that you thought would take them from a bottom four side into a top eight team. Uh, a lot of the development came in house, and they have a lot of. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that uh, were coming through. And, and the, the pleasing thing as a Swans fan was it was these young kids were the ones that were really making a difference. It wasn't mm. the, the senior guys that were carrying them on their shoulders. Like uh, young guys like Errol Goulden who came in and he just walked straight into the best 22 and, and hung around there all year apart yeah. from when he got injured. Um, Braden Campbell was the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a lot of those younger guys that come in and really took that responsibility this year. And the pleasing thing is knowing that they're so young, it doesn't look like they've got to drop off where they're going to go from here to here. They're not going to drop down and, mm. and fall off the face of the cliff, which is probably pleasing. Um, this, uh, the disappointing thing was the finals elimination. Uh, obviously, they were on the road for the last nine or ten weeks of the season. They had to fly to Brisbane, then Melbourne. They couldn't see their families, and it was sort of a, a really difficult end to the season. So to see them put all that effort in and get to the finals and then stumble at the first hurdle – particularly losing by a point. Like I think mm. if I'd probably rather lose by 50 points because you can sort of, <laughs> you know, it's coming when mm. the final sirens there, which you, you lose by a point, you sort of always think, oh, we can just get one more, one more. So probably mm. not the fact they, they got to the final was amazing, but the way they bowed out after what they'd gone through to get there, I felt yeah. that was probably the most disappointing aspect from my end. A little bit of regret, a little bit of regret. There was some missed opportunities there, buddy. Had a very gettable shot by Buddy's standards. Um, you hit the post about three times. I think the last the, six shots of the game, the last six shots of the game were all Sydney's and they were yeah. all behinds. And but just one of them. them. James, what's his name? James Bell was like yeah. 15, 20 metres out right in front, hit the post. So I think he, one he, of them he goes the through. Post. Yeah. So it was the same post. They had a stat up. I think the the Giants, I think, uh, what's his name? Jesse Hogan hit the same post. Yeah. And I think that post got hit four times. Like it was yeah. four times in the one game, the one post, which was a, was a magnet on that, but wouldn't happen very often, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, I think it's those thick posts down in Tasmania. That's yeah. that's what it is. 
What about you, Gartho? What about your uh, best and worst moments for the year? Best moment was Anzac Day. I went down to Melbourne. This was before Delta Strain had uh, hit Australia. So there was a crowd of 85,000 people in the ground. And you I got a quick account. Yeah, I got to see. Um, I got to see the bombers uh, take on the pies, and and we we won, which is pretty rare for us in the last decade of Anzac Day games. So, um, yeah, it was it was awesome. That was definitely my highlight. So for for the non AFL fans like Dan, just explain what the Anzac Day game means to Essendon and Collingwood fans. Ah, it's huge. It's been since nineteen ninety five. Uh, it was put on the radar by Essendon and, and Collingwood. And it was all about um, remembering people who have served for Australia and remembering the Anzac spirit. So, um, yeah. And ever since then, it's just sold out every year. And usually the games are really close or memorable. The first one was a draw. Um, and Essendon and Collingwood have always, you know, they're two big clubs in Victoria. So they've got a big rivalry. So uh, it's for, for the Bombers fans, especially in the last 20 years, that's basically our grand final. That's that's a mid-season grand final. Everyone's looking forward to that game and just wants to win. Well, outside of the grand final, it's probably the biggest game on the AFL calendar. I mean, you get two teams that – and it often, it often seems to be that form completely goes out the window. You could have a team that's first against the team that's 18th, and then form goes out the window and it's just two sides that don't like each other and just go out yeah. there and – just go at it. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, so yeah, it's uh, so that was definitely a highlight for me. That was just just so good to go down to Melbourne for that. Uh, low lights. Mm, it was a really good year for the Bombers. I don't think I can. I don't think there was a low light for the Bombers. Maybe just um, yeah. I think just the 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 COVID impact on the season was a bit of a low light for me. Um, yeah, the AFL's done well to keep going. But teams have been on the road. There's definitely a bit of an asterisk against this year, I think, just like last year. So yeah, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Next year counts when Essendon wins. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last segment, last unplanned segment, off-season predictions. What are you boys thinking is going to happen when the uh, grand final is done and dusted? The season is over. And we head into a big trade window. Oh, trade window. Mm. I love the trade period. I absolutely love it. It is the <sighs> it's the best and worst time as a fan because you hear all the talk about all the players that are linked to your club and you get super excited. And then you hear about all the players that, well, these guys haven't signed and they've asked for trades away. Yeah. And then you hate that part of it. And mm. I just... I feel I know the Swans have a tight salary cap. That's been yeah. so. I'm not expecting them to get a Lance Franklin or yeah. someone of that caliber and bring them in like they've done in the past. So I think they're probably going to be dealing with a lot of probably fringe players they can think they can give more opportunity to. Mm. Um, obviously, Dawson has requested a trade back to Adelaide, and mm. that'll free up a bit of money um, yeah. because. Well, if, if the reports are true, they had about 500 grand a year set aside mm-hmm. for him, yep. which means they got a bit of money to throw around there. Uh, it looks like George Hewitt's going to Carlton. Uh, they've off, they've given him an offer that Sydney essentially can't match, so mm. they'll get a they'll get a compensation pick for him. So I, I just want to see Sydney go to the draft again. I know yeah. that they've got all these young kids coming through, and you know you want to put some experienced players around them. But if I look at their I look at their side and I go well. You look at your full line, you've got Tom Papley and you've got Isaac Heaney. Buddy will be there for another year, but once Buddy Buddy goes, they've got McDonald coming through who will sort of take that mantle. Um, They've got Hayden McLean who'll go in and can play that similar role. So I don't think there's any glaring holes they need to go in and fill. I'd like to see a wingman come in, particularly if Dawson Mm. goes. I think wings probably one uh, area we have struggled Mm. to find someone to really take that. And interestingly, you've got Dylan Stevens, who's kind of a winger, and um, he's he's kind of on the out. He might he might be traded this year. Well, he was an early. He's a one they invested an early pick in as well. So yeah. he was a pick five, which is a lot of not necessarily time to invest in him because they've only had him at the club for two years. But it's an early investment in terms of what players they had available to yeah. get for that pick. Yeah. Um. I also think the the big issue is going to be. 
where the bids come for Dacos and Darcy, which is yeah. probably going to mean if you've got a pick 10, that pick 10 isn't actually pick 10. It's going to push back to a pick, pick 12 or pick yeah. 13, something like that, which yeah. makes it a little bit tricky um, to judge the the value of a pick. You might trade in and pl- pick and go, oh, this is great. This is you know pick 12. And then by the time it gets to your pick, the two or three players you thought would be around that mark could be gone because yeah. your pick 12 has slid back to 15 or a 16 or something like that. So yeah. I do like it. I love trade period, but I hate mm. it at the same time. Yeah, because it's so different to like the NRL in Australia, which is just trade period is just ongoing indefinitely. Um, in the AFL, there's a window of seven to 10 days where all the deals have to happen. And so you find the last day of the trade window, every deal basically goes down. Some, every year, there's about five deals locked in in the last minute of the trade window. Um, so, so yeah, it is, it is such an interesting time and it's even turned into a huge media thing as well. Now there's a, there's a radio station that sets up for the whole trade window as well. Um, so yeah, uh, as, as a Bombers fan, usually the off season is what I kind of live for. And, um, I'm definitely, definitely keen to, uh, uh, I use this word very, very uh, carefully, but I'm keen to inject a bit of hope into uh, into the club over the off season and um, draft a good young player with our first round pick and uh, hopefully find a few a few gems uh, in in the rough, I guess, and and yeah, yeah what, strengthen what, our club. What do you think of players being able to nominate their club of choice if they go? Oh, I want to leave. And I've nominated this club. I want you to work with that club. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I know, particularly in American sports, you could be playing for your club, living in Los Angeles. You finish your game, and they go, "Oh, by the way, we just traded it. You go into Denver, pack your bags, off you go." Like they just have to do what they're told and off. But yeah, like there's nothing. Whereas here, they go, "Well, I want to go, and I want to go to this club. Mm. You need to make it happen." Yeah. I do. I get very confused by that, actually. Um, like, a good example this year is Adam Chikera. So, he's playing for the Dockers, Dan. You, you would know that. He'd be one of your yeah. um, favorite players back in the day. Yeah, he is. And, uh, and yeah, he's, he's looking like he's going to nominate a Victorian club, maybe Carlton. But it's so strange because uh, he may nominate a club that can't actually trade for him can't afford to get him to their club. So if he did that, he's basically doomed to be staying at the Dockers. So it's, it's a strange one. I think it's kind of more, it's actually a way to force the clubs to the table to make the deal happen uh, because it's, it's, it's gone public. So the public gets in on it and there's a bit of pressure around both clubs. One club needs to win letting the player leave and the other one needs to win, bringing the player in. So, I don't know. I think it's more of just a, it's a PR stunt, really. And, yeah, I'm glad that it's not like the NBA where you can draft a player and then they put on the, the Essendon hat because they've just been drafted. And then five minutes later, you tell them they've been traded to the Sydney Swans. And then so they go and go over to the Swans camp and put on their Sydney Swans hat. I'm really glad it's not that. Because I don't think that's really the culture um, that we want in our league. I think we need to find a, a middle ground somewhere, though. Because if if the argument, like Adam Chera made, I want to be close to the home. You go, well, there's 10 clubs in Victoria. So <laughs> yeah. why, why does it have to be this particular club? Like, and you go, oh, well, it's Carlton. You can throw a rock from Carlton and hit five other clubs yeah. within the vicinity. So if, if the argument is, I want to be close to the home, then that's fine. But then the Fremantle should be able to go, but we want to get the best deal for True. us and go, we get, you might get five clubs that go, yeah, we don't want him. And you go, great. Okay. Those five clubs are out. These two can't afford him. So we're down to three or four that want him. We're going to get you to one of those three or four, but it's what's best for us rather than him going, I'm going to Carlton. That's where I want to go. You need to make it happen. If yeah. you don't like pick six, bad luck, that's all they've got. Yeah. But so why, why has it never happened before then? That's that's what I want to know. Why why haven't why hasn't a club stepped on a player's toes and just said we're sending you here? Bad luck. Yeah, I'm I'm not opposed. If a, if a player goes, look, I want to be closer to home. It's usually those top end players that stay there. You'll often see the fringe players go. I just want to go play footy. 
and yeah. they'll move interstate. They'll go from one side of the country, leave their family to another side of the country just to play footy. And then you get the other players that are at that top end that go, um, I don't, I don't want to be here. I want to go to this particular club. It's all, yep. Even when, when Chris Judd went from West Coast, mm. he did tours and the clubs in Victoria essentially. Oh. Audition. They want Collingwood, Carlton, all saying, yeah, we want him. Mm. Surely West Coast goes, well, fine. If you just want to go back home, mm. I'll get you, we'll get you back there. But if Essendon or Collingwood make us a better offer than Carlton, then that's where you're going to go. Like, I, I, I feel yeah. that players, the players have a lot of power. Players aren't going to nominate a club that can't get the deal done, though. They're going to nominate a club that's interested enough, that's obviously telling them, yeah, mate, we can get you here. We can get you here. Choose us. Otherwise, why would a player waste their time nominating that club? Um uh, unless there's some sort of, <laughs> we've got a cats fan in the background there trying to, trying to have a say. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it's, 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 it is interesting. It'll be interesting to look back maybe in five years and see if it's changed at all as well. Cause the AFL is constantly changing at the moment. So oh, it's hopefully like- it stays as, as interesting as it is now though. Cause I absolutely love it. I was listening to a, a podcast about the NBA and they were saying, because, you know, you, you read all the stuff about how um, Harden just wanted out of, out of um, what's it call it, Houston to go over to the, to the Nets. And so, he just refused to play and just, just went to nightclubs and did nothing and just forced his way out of there. And they were saying that's because at the moment, and it's changed over the decades, that the league is a player's league. And the players mm. just get to dictate what they want to do. Like Ben Simmons is basically saying, I'm not turning up to camp. Yeah. trade me to one of the LA teams right now. Yeah. Um, whereas in the past, it, it's very much been like a team's league and like the team then dictates what happens, which is why you get the brutal stuff where it's like they turn up to training one day and they're like, oh, didn't anyone tell you? You're, you're now playing for the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, no, the yeah. owner just boots him and goes, no, you're yeah. out. <laughs> I've got a better <laughs> offer for you. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder if that's something that's happening in the AFL, similar kind of thing where the players are starting to dictate or nominate where they want to go to force it to happen. Yeah, it's that, but it's also the clubs. I think they, they all want to be a destination club. And mm. so they don't want to be seen to be treating players badly because I think the players all know each other. They all talk. So if a club treated a player particularly badly, there's a chance that good players might not want to go there, mm. depending on who that player was. So I think they all kind of want to be a destination. That that word is always thrown around by the clubs. And, um, part of that is treating the players well and with respect. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Interesting. Well, we've got the, we've got the Brownlow coming up. Who's, mm. who's your prediction for the Brownlow, Blossom? My prediction for the Brownlow, <laughs> it's a good question. As, as I've said numerous times on today's podcast, it's just been a weird season. Um, do, you so know what, do you need to tell you what the Brownlow medal is? No, no, I, I'm aware of, of the Brownlow <laughs> medal. Um, uh, who do I think... <laughs> Who do I think? <laughs> I'm aware. Um, <laughs> if I was if I was a betting man and I had to guess who I think uh, the best Brownlow potentials are this season, I'd say it's it's maybe um, Ollie Wines. Is that a name? <laughs> Definitely not what, looking at a computer screen. At no, all there. I'm not. Um, you know, I can go team by team if you want and just pick the top couple. <laughs> go on. Bring them out. <laughs> Who, who's going to win it, Dan? Uh, I'm in Blossom. Yeah. Oh, I reckon it's going to be Jack Steele. Good name, Jack Steele, oh. isn't it? Mm. Hmm. That's my guess. He's not the top yeah. right now, but he's he's up there, you know? He's a smoky. Mm. How about yeah, you? Darcy Parrish for me. Darcy Parrish. You reckon he'll pull the most for Essendon? Yeah, I do. I do. He had a lot of bets on ground. And, uh, he won a couple, won a couple of medals. He did. He did. So, and his expectations were lower. So, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he will win, but... Um, Is he a I top, think top five value? Yes. Yeah, I, like do, I like doing that every year. I like, I like getting backing someone to finish top five. And, uh, it, it, when I say someone, it's always a Swans player. 
because yeah. they're the games I watch and know how the players True. went. Like I can say, well, well, Luke Parker played well in these 12 games. Yeah. I can go Darcy Parrish. I know he won the Anzac medal, so he's got three <laughs> votes there. The rest of it, I don't know. So yeah. I think I think Parker will be the best polling swan. Yeah. Um, Not Callum Mills? Mills will go all right. Ooh, he will go well. Mm. Mills will go pretty good. Um, Dan's got that off the list. No, I, <laughs> I, rec- I reckon those two will poll pretty well. Um, and Isaac Heaney doesn't need to do a whole, doesn't ha- need to have a whole heap of the footy to do some pretty special things with it. And he's yeah. just got that style that when he does, he might only do two or three things, but you notice the two or three things that he did and they stand yeah. out. So I reckon he'll, he'll attract votes just because of the way that he goes about it. True. But I think I think it always helps when you're winning games of football. I think there won't be yes. too many games this year when Melbourne doesn't poll votes. True. And Christian Petrarca, he just he's that sort of player that when you go, who played well? You go, well, Petrarca kicked a couple of goals. He got 20-odd possessions. I reckon he'll always be polling well. I reckon he'll beat Clayton Oliver. Yeah. Um, well, I reckon that's the interesting part of which mm. not only who's going to win it, who's going to top Melbourne's count because they got a yeah. couple of the top. So yeah. I think... I think Christian Petrarca will win it, but I'd, I'd like to see Luke Parker sneak into the top five. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's actually the most wide open Brownlow of recent years. I think um, if I had to not be biased and choose Darcy Parrish, I think the Bond. The Bond is pretty widely regarded as probably polling the most votes. So his last three rounds let a lot, left a lot to be desired. So... Um, so, yeah, it should be really good, actually. I'm keen to find out. You're back in Ollie Wines in? Or, no, Jack Steele you're going, aren't you? Jack Steele. I'm going Jack Steele. Ollie Wines is another one. He he easily could win it. Well, Definitely. Uh, I'm going to let you guys in on something here. He, he is the leader on this list here. The funny mm. thing about Ollie Wines is I don't even, like, whenever I've watched Port Adelaide's games or read the reports about them, He's not usually the one that gets spoken about as often as a Robbie Gray or a Tra- yeah. Travis Boak is one that always is in the news. And the other one's Alira Lee. Every time they play well, it's Alira yes. Lee took, you know, 10 intercept marks. He's done this. Or Charlie Dixon has kicked a bag full of goals up forward. So True. I think the biggest problem that Ollie Wines is going to have is he's got seven or eight guys around him that they might only play one fantastic game every six mm. or seven weeks. But if they're all doing it, then there's a lot of rounds where votes. three, mm. yeah, two or three votes have been taken off him. Not True. that he hasn't had a good season. I think he's just played well in a really good team yeah. like Petrarca. But I feel Petrarca hasn't got as many players that will attract True. attention. I think he's got Gorn. I think he's got Oliver yeah. and a couple of others. But I don't think he's got the True. grouping that. Yeah, you could say the same about Bontempelli as well. That's why I do think Parish is a smoky and steel. Yeah, when Essendon plays well, Parish will get the votes. Mm, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Well, who exactly. who from Geelong is going to get the votes? Because you figured Geelong has won. They finished third. They were in the top four for the majority of the season. Yeah. I, I don't know who's going to poll their votes, though. Like, I Cam haven't looked Guthrie. at them. Cam Guthrie would be, I reckon, their probable, probable He's He's their top on, on, the, on the leaderboard here for their team. Ah, there you go. Who's Brisbane's blossom? Is it McCluggage? What, what is... Uh, Zorko. Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm looking at it, yeah. Zorko, McCluggage yeah. Is, is the highest for the Lions. Uh, Ooh, and, then, and then Lions. Jared oh, Lyons. Jared Lyons. Jared Lyons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just the team. McCluggage than everyone. Yeah. The rest of them. The one, the one that I reckon is the real smoky is Sam Walsh. He's at yes. 20, 20 something dollars, but every time Carlton plays well, he was getting 30 and kicking goals. I reckon he's oh. one that he'll poll votes because you can't give him to anyone else in Carlton's team apart from Mackay. If they were selling odds on someone to win a Brownlow in their career, before they retire, you would take Sam Walsh any day of the week. Like he's definitely winning a brown though. Well, he's the one player, if you go like, oh, you can pick any player from the AFL from another club to bring to your team and they play the rest yeah. of their career there. I, I reckon he'd be 90% of people's pick. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, I know, I, know, I know Blossom's a fan of his. He likes him. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a... I'm on the opposite of this. Don't like him at all. I think he's overrated. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, he's just, I think he's one of those guys that's like a, a fire right now and it's just going to fade out as time goes on. <laughs> I you just a a here, hey? 
Wouldn't get a run in Fremantle's team. No, nah, no. Get a, not, not in the 07 Fremantle team. No, yeah, so, certainly not in the 07. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Well, uh, that was a pretty good too drunk footy chat, I think. Well, well, considering there was no plan to sort of wing it. Guys, mm. I, I do have something that I want to throw on here. Oh, yeah, you had something. <laughs> oh, I, thought you were, I thought you were about to say that you didn't record it again. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> tell us you please tell us you recorded this dude. It's just the survivor theme there. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I can. Just. Uh guys, this is a new segment I call Tim Likes Footy. Dan likes Survivor. <laughs> Chris likes both. <laughs> Chris likes both. <laughs> I like that name. It's a good it's a good name. Yeah. I like it. Uh, it's just been a long off season for us Survivor fans as well. You know, yeah, we, we, we've really had we've had uh, Australian Survivor uh, fill in the gaps, but Australian Survivor is a very different beast to uh, to US Survivor. Uh, but uh, yeah, Chris, I just want to get your opinion. Season forty one, mate. Have you have you been read much about it? You know what's happening. I know. I'm, I know it's shorter, which I'm not sure whether I like that or I dislike. I, I did feel like when you're watching the Australian one and they go, it goes for fifty days, mm. and there's only so many contestants you go well there's going to be tribals where they just throw some nonsense out there to make sure the person doesn't get evicted yeah and it happened about five times yeah it got to the point where the final six on the australian survivor five of them should have been booted off already yeah so you're sitting there looking at going well none of you deserve to win this except for george because and- everyone else has been voted off and the producers are gone Nah, we can stretch this out for another episode. Keep it yeah. in. And that was my biggest issue with, with Hayley. I, I think she was a deserving winner, but from being voted out. That, yeah, it, and it's a big but. <laughs> and got blitz. Like, it was yeah. a clean sweep. It was, yeah. it was worse than when Michael voted himself out. <laughs> <laughs> Arrested development reference. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a pee hound reference. Um, but, oh, well, no, the, the, the Michael moment was Cara this year. Where yeah. They're talking about the votes. What if I vote for Laura? <laughs> and then the whole thing blew up. That was so bad. Yeah, yeah so, so, so 41, it's going to have 26 days instead of the usual 39 for US Survivor. Um, and it's um, no theme. It's, it's not something versus something. It's just called Survivor 41. I like that. And I they said it's going to be harder. There's going to be no food, like daily rations of food. They've got to go find it. Um, apparently the challenges like are going to be more physical and because it's going to be a shorter period it's going to, like the elements are going to play a bigger role apparently well it's, it's wow. a more suitable name if it's called Survivor and they just give you your food and your shelter mm. and your fire yeah. it's not really Survivor like mm. it's like when you watch the Hunger Games movie and then it gets to the third one and there's no Hunger Games like, yeah well, the, the title of the movie doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's why I, I like this one the fact it's shorter I think that there's probably going to be a couple of double eliminations, like when they say tonight both tribes are going to tribal council. Yeah, I can see I, that. I much prefer that than tonight no one's going home because if you mm. vote out two people, they're out, but they don't have a chance to win it there. Like they had an equal chance to defend themselves at the um, tribal council, mm. find idols, that sort of stuff. Well, so I, I don't uh, mind the double eliminations. I just I don't like non-eliminations. I, I also mm. think that the shorter game leaves, as you were kind of saying before, less room for twists. I, I think it's going to be a very straightforward build your alliance, build your social game, have a bit of strategy in the voting and just do everything you can to win that immunity idol. Um, and there's, there's three tribes this year. This one isn't three, three yeah. individual tribes. There's th- three Whoa. groups of six, and apparently they're going to be in a tribe, like a smaller tribe for longer periods, which which also makes it harder to get big voting blocks together. Like you're going to have to negotiate wow. in a group of six. Like as soon as that goes, you know, already you're three three or four two or whatever. But if 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 you start at five one, then suddenly you've got to split in half on, at the next vote already. Um, Jeez, so I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of messing about. I think about. that'll that'll really benefit the physically stronger players because survivors generally broken into two halves. The first Mm. half of the game is when the smarter players and probably the less physically strong players where they struggle Mm. because when they lose a challenge, the first thing they say is try to get rid of the physically. Yeah. 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 So they get rid of them and then the physical players do really well. And then they get to the second half of the game when they have the merge and the smart ones and start kicking all the, the smart ones that are ones still off. there yeah. go, well, as soon as this big strong guy loses this challenge, he's the one that's got to go. Mm. So it, it sort of plays 
both ways that if you're physically strong, there's half a game that you struggle with. Mm. And if you're not as physically strong, but you're a smarter player, there's half a game you struggle with as well. So it sort yeah. of evens it out where I look at this one and go, well, if there's only three groups of six and there might be two strong people on each tribe, unless they merge them into two tribes pretty quickly, if you're one of the physically weaker players, there's a much bigger target on your back now because you mm. go, well, there's only six of us. There's not 10 people per tribe that I can hide behind. There's only five other people I can hide behind. So the target suddenly gets a lot bigger, a lot quicker. Yeah, and, and that was one of my biggest problems with this year's Australian. It was called Brain versus Brawn, but I reckon maybe two of the challenges in the entire season included any form of brain like, yeah. like it was just all physical. It was just it was. obstacle courses and carrying things and and holding on to stuff. There was there was very few puzzles for a season titled Brain vs. Brawn. Yeah. And so, and uh, so, so maybe like, they'll even it out then. So maybe the challenges will be less physical. The, yeah. 90% of the challenge would be physical. And then they yeah. go, well, we had a puzzle in it. It's like, yeah, but why you can't swim? So yeah. she, can't, <laughs> like, she, she can't physically get there and do it. Or George is afraid of heights and can't yeah. jump. So you've got the two that would dominate this part of challenge yeah. have pulled out because yeah. they can't get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the rumors for next Australian season, blood versus water is, is what's out there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like that's water. They're going to bring some returnees back as well. So the same Ooh. same way they did it for the um, for the US first blood versus water when you had your Rupert back and his wife came with him. Yeah, and a few other people. Um, so blood versus water, Tim is is you and a family member or your good friend or something, and essentially um, you've got to be against each other to start with on separate tribes. And then, wow. and then you've got to negotiate that sort of relationship later on, and and it ends up being like my, uh, daughters voting mums off, and and Whoa. like turning against your family, and everyone cries, and it's a good season. Holy shit! Mm. There you go. That yeah, sounds it, great. It is. It's good. Yeah, it destroys a lot of families. That's what you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> good viewing. <laughs> Well, I wonder if they'll do the same thing in the US one, where they had that arena where they had to come back and watch their partner battle it out to stay in the game um, and then they got kicked off which was interesting it was like a redemption thing yeah that redemption I, I, I like those ones where they have um, the chance to redeem because I like the extra challenge mm. but I don't like the person coming back in and winning but mm. like there was what season was it that guy Chris got voted out right at the start it was 38 came back. season yeah, yeah and came back and won the whole thing. I was like, he was on, he survived for two days and was it? Like, it was an exile for, yeah. whatever they called it. But it, essentially, it was, in the last couple of US seasons, Tim, the people yeah. that got voted out went and lived on another island. And there was two points during the entire season where they could go to a challenge and come back. And this guy was essentially out most of the season living on this island on very few rations. It was harder. Like the conditions out there were harder. But then right at the very end, came back at like five and played a few good moves and, and won. But he spent wow. most of the game not in the game. Jeez. There you go. So, yeah, I do the agree big, with that. One of the biggest parts, and a lot of people don't look at this, they they don't manage the jury well because mm. all they think about is, I've got to make a big move. It's like, well, you mm. know, if you if you make this move and you vote this person out, they're not going to give you a million dollars. So <laughs> you've got to you've got to find out who the big players are that are making these moves, and you've got to keep them. Like everyone goes, oh, we've got to get rid of this person because they're a threat. You go, no, I've got to keep that person because the only way I'm getting any money is if it's me and him at the end. Like if I'm sitting there yeah. with one of these other people, it doesn't matter if they haven't done anything. Yeah, like, well, it's like the the Sandra idea. You know, you just you, you build the social relationship so people like you and want to vote for you, mm-hmm. and then every vote it's just anyone but me. I'll put my name to any any plan. That's fine. And that's why, that's why <laughs> and they all wanted Flick out. Yeah. No one wanted to go to the end with Flick because yeah. like Flick was on the bottom the whole time, mm. didn't make any moves, didn't do anything, got voted out, and then only came back in because you smashed the right bars. Yeah. yeah. But they knew if we go to the end with Flick, everyone on this jury loves her. Mm. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna vote with their heart, not the and not who outwitted, outlasted, outplayed. It's mm. who do I like best. I like Flick, therefore yeah. Yeah. she'd get my vote. Yeah. Which well, I mean, isn't that the crux of Survivor? It's it's the biggest part of it, I think. Like it's the, the jury management, popularity contest. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the thing that people don't they don't think about it. They go, well, I've got to outwit, outplay, and outlast. Like, yeah, but yeah. a large part of that outplaying isn't just winning immunity idols. You have yeah. to actually manage the people you put on the jury, and you know if there's someone that you 
you hate and they're never going to get along with you, you've got to boot them out before you get to the merge and before they get a spot on the jury. Yeah, yeah, which is why it was tough because most of the jury was Braun and then mm. you had poor George who pissed most of them off. You saw him trying to manage it a little bit towards the end, but it was too late. Like he needed yeah. to just have those friendships straight away and then yeah. and then build that through and vo- still vote them out, but at least they liked him when they got to the other side. So that's yeah. Yeah, that's why it ended up being like 7-2 in the, in the final vote. Yeah, uh, other than Laura. There was a real random vote yeah. from George there, the Laura. But, mm. Interesting. There's also a couple of people I don't think should have been allowed to vote. Like If you don't contribute anything at all in the game, you shouldn't be entitled to <laughs> award someone half a million dollars. That's like just how I feel. I reckon for the first 20 days, I forgot Andrew was in it. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, even, like, didn't even know he was there. And he was, a, um, he was a survi- like a survivalist YouTube guy. Like that's his whole thing. And then there was, that, there was that, yeah, there was that part of the start where he just didn't start a fire for like three days. Uh, Jesus. But I'm still a bit solid. I thought George should have won. Mm. Just yeah, because right. he didn't get out of that. He didn't get out He got saved True. a couple of times by like idols and stuff. But that's part but of the game. That's got, in the game. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's I'm a little bit sus. Torch snuffed. Yeah, I'm a little bit sus on how many idols he did find. Mm. There was just so many idols he found. I it's think like there was four just or five. But that's the thing we found. We find out as the season goes along that half the people there had never watched the show, so they didn't know to go look for it. Like oh they, my God. they just they weren't. They didn't have the presence. It was like him, Haley, and a couple others who were like, "No, I've I've seen every episode of this. Like I'm." I'm wow. out looking for idols. I'm splitting votes. I know what I'm doing. And the others were like, Kara, like, all right, so you vote for Peahound and then I vote for you. Split votes. Go to the redraw, it's Peahound Blitz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like some of those people like, oh, I'm on the bottom, but I, I can't go and make it obvious if I'm going to find an idol. It's like, well, if you're on the bottom and you Doesn't know matter. they're going to vote you yeah. out, why? Yeah, why? Because I thought that, that's what George did. Like George found yeah. three or four idols because he's like, okay, I've been hiding in the grass. I've heard them say, yeah, we're going to go and blindside George. So mm. I'm going to go and swim in this lake over here, climb this tree, do all this stuff. And they mm. all knew it. They all said, "Where's George? Oh, he's off looking for idols." Yeah. But he always had one. He and always had one. The worst case Plus, scenario with that is, as well though, is that if they if he doesn't find one, they think he might. So they start splitting the vote between him exactly. and someone else, and that gives him some mo- some room to move and, and pull a vote one way or the other. It confuses me why none of them weren't just always looking for idols. Mm. That confuses me massively. Mm. I don't understand that. So yeah, I'd like to know. Anyway, just thought I'd uh, tag on the end uh, the sport of my segment. choice, which is Survivor. Good segment. Mm. Good segment. Are you, you going to apply for one of the Australian Survivor seasons? I, 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 uh, I actually applied for like the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do a video for it? Or yeah. You had you had, a, f- a fill-out form? You, you had to do a little video for it. Um, I don't even think I spoke, told you this, Tim. I didn't tell anyone. No. I had to do a little video for it, and they, I made it through to the second round. Really? But, yeah, they interviewed me. Not in person, just like on Zoom. And then I didn't wow. make it past that. Oh. Mm. So one day. Should, um, Next time you do it and you get on there, you should get a few people to come over holding torches behind you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then just play the Survivor theme in the background. So they, they get the vibe. <laughs> we, should, um, we should offer that as like a, a juicy extra in our community group. You can put up your Survivor video. <laughs> Survivor audition. No, I want to use it again. Just next year to send the same one in. It got me to the second round. I just got to improve my second round game. <laughs> you just got to make sure you pick the right clothes when you go on Survivor. Like, mm. you see some of them I'm go so all confused, the time and they're like, oh. I- I'm certain they tell them things they have to wear because sometimes, like, if you watch the American one, especially, they're like, turn up in a suit or um, just like, just really impractical clothes. And you're like, I- I'm sure they say you can't take your, you know, your um, Kathmandu jacket and mm. a yeah. raincoat. Like, all right, fair enough. It's got to be everyday clothes, but a suit is not going to help you. Uh, you know, mm. I think I think they want them to dress like the character, like you know, yeah. um, Gerald. Rocked yeah. up every time with the cowboy hat, the yeah. jeans, and the flannel. It's like Gerald. You know, this is a swimming challenge here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you got your flannel. <laughs> You're going in fully clothed. It's like, yep, so good. This is what I do. And then, like, then the opposite. You see Flick, who's the big wave surfer. When he gets to the swimming challenges, she's got you know the tiny bikini on, and you go, yeah, okay. <laughs> And then yeah. you go to George, who's the politician, and he's just, you know, just looks like a dag. Like yeah. he, they, I reckon they got to dress depending on what their profession is. So yeah. it sort of fits their character. Yeah. So you get, you get the suit and you go, what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I'm in 
high in finance. Like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to see a cop go out there like in their cop uniform. <laughs> Take a gun, handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was Tony, but he pretended not to be a cop for his first season. They always, yeah. whenever someone's pretending that they do something, mm. they always say, I'm a yoga instructor. <laughs> yeah. What, what was his, um, what was the guy in the Australian season who'd, who'd lead the yoga every morning? And he definitely wasn't oh, Henry. Yoga. Henry, that's right. <laughs> and he, he never did it. And like, you'd watch it and go, that's not even a pose. No, that's <laughs> that's not a oh, we're going to do the old, let's uh, stretch our arms out a little bit. The, the, one <laughs> that made, so the one that made no sense to me was a guy I was in marketing. Um, I've forgotten his name. I think it was two seasons ago. And he was saying he was a golf journalist or something. And he wore like a hat. <laughs> and it was like, why, what advantage is this giving you in the game? No one is threatened by your marketing degree. Like, why are you doing that? There was a poker player that did that. I don't yeah. want them to know I played poker because they might think I'm good at lying. And it's oh. like, if, if you're on Survivor, you have to assume everyone is lying yeah. to you all the time. Like, it's just, wow. it's, it's how the game works. I don't want them knowing I'm a poker player. It's like, no one cares. Mm. Like that scene from Jurassic Park, poker player. We've got a poker player here. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Oh, wait, I forgot my main thing here. Hold on. No, it's just Jurassic Park thing. Oh, That's my buff. buff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. else buff about you, Dan, so we, glad you got that. <laughs> we should probably end the podcast here. We've been going for over an hour now, so uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's pull, up, pull up stumps to use a sports analogy, yeah. and, um, and I guess we'll be back uh, next week with our regular content. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Chris. It was good to chat yeah. footy and Survivor. Anytime, and next time you're running a too drunk survivor, let me know. I'll jump yeah. on again. I will. Nice. I will. All right. Well, thanks, Foz. I'll uh, stop the podcast oh, yes. here. Thanks, Gartho. Thanks, Blossom. No worries. Thanks, boys. <sighs>